Genesis chapter 7 is where we're going. I remember as a boy receiving an invitation to a birthday party. I was either in the first or second grade, I, I think. I remember the house that I lived in. I don't remember a lot about that, that uh, chapter of my life. I was, I was so young. But I remember this birthday party distinctly. Billy invited me. I don't even remember Billy's last name. And Billy and I weren't really that close of friends necessarily. But for whatever reason, Billy decided he wanted me at his birthday party. And I received an invitation. It was the first time I'd ever seen pin the tail on the donkey. And a lot of other wonderful things that I, 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 they're kind of seared in my mind about this birthday party from Billy. And how awesome it was to actually receive this invitation from this friend. I've also been on the flip side of the coin. And had somebody come up to me and say, hey, are you going to so-and-so's party on Friday? And I say, what part are you talking about? Because I wasn't invited. Have you ever been uninvited to a party or just not invited to a party? Anybody ever been excluded from an invitation? How'd that make you feel? That hurt my feelings. I started examining my life and looking what I smell in my armpits. Why didn't I get an invitation to this party? What'd I ever do wrong? It hurts when you're not invited. Today, I'm going to kick off a series. We will spend the next several weeks in study of what I've called the invitation. An invitation will be given. It was given throughout Scripture. I found invitations in Genesis all the way through Revelation. And over these next several weeks, we are going to stop by these various invitations and see what God might say to us. The very first invitation recorded in Scripture is where we're going today. And it happens to be from God. And so I've entitled the message today, God's First Invitation. Genesis 7, starting with verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark. There it is. God's first invitation. You and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation, you shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah, verse 5 says, did according to all the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So Noah, with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, they went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. 
Father, thank you for your word. It changes us every time we read it, every time we see it. I pray, Lord, that what you've sent it to do today, it would be done. Speak to us now through your word. We give you thanks for that. Amen. One of my favorite Bible stories growing up, one of my favorite Sunday school lessons is Noah and the ark. You see, I love animals. Any, any animal lovers out there today? I love animals. And I love this story of God's rescuing Noah and the animals and how we brought them in two by two. Never mind that the scripture talks about keeping seven two different times and all we talk about is the two by two. You ever, you ever wonder why that is? But we're going to leave it two by two because we'd have to change all the Sunday school curriculum for everybody. So we're just going to leave it two by two. But he actually talks about saving seven of this and saving seven of the Anyway. But it's, I found that this is actually God's very first invitation to mankind. And today we are kicking off this series entitled The Invitation. Over these next several weeks, we will just dive into God's word and look throughout scripture starting in Genesis and landing in Revelation on the invitations in the Word of God. God is a God of love. How many would agree with me that God is a God of love? In fact, God is love. And so everything that comes from God is because of love. God only wants the best for you, only wants the best for me because God loves us. And so as He invites and sends out invitations just as he did to Noah, it was out of love. It was an invitation of love. The flood was about to begin, and God invited Noah and his family into the ark. What is this invitation all about? Why don't you jot down a few things? Jot down a few notes. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. Take a pen and paper and just jot down a few things. We're going to examine closely this first invitation that God gave to Noah because I believe the invitation also is extended to us. What is this invitation all about? It is, first of all, an invitation for survival. The invitation that came from God was an invitation to survive the flood. You're invited to avoid calamity. You're invited to survive disaster. I think I would want that invitation. How about you? You see, the scripture says that God saw the wickedness of Noah's time. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Folks, I don't believe that we can just live any way that we want to live and pull one over on God. God has called us to righteous living. And this generation was not living a righteous life. Now, don't, don't back off from the word righteous and, and, and being righteous and living righteous. Let me break it down for you in terms that you can actually appreciate and actually apply to your life. Righteous living, being a righteous person, it is a matter of just doing 
what is right. Doing what is right, making decisions that are right, speaking what is right, living your life in a way that is right. Then you wake up the next morning and you repeat that process. And you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again, and before long, you're living a righteous life. It's actually very simple. You say, well, wait a minute, though. But, uh, about Thursday, about Wednesday, I, I messed up royally. I messed up big time and messed up the whole process of that righteous living. Well, I got good news for you. There's actually provision for that. It is the grace and mercy of God to pick us up and if we confess our sins and our faults to him, he'll forgive us, according to 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. So at Thursday, at Tuesday, at Wednesday, wherever it was, you're trying to just live it out. You, you blew it. You just ask God to forgive you. And he will cleanse you. Remember the blood of Jesus that we're talking about a moment ago? We're singing about, we're celebrating a moment ago. That blood will cover your unrighteousness and get you right back on the right path, the righteous path, living the right way. And by the way, when I say living right, it is according to the book that I hold in my hand. The book that's in your lap. Come on, how many brought your Bible? Just wave it in the devil's nose. He hates that book. He hates your Bible. Oh, I hope you never leave home without your Bible, at least in your heart and in your mind. The most powerful book ever written. Righteous living according to what the Bible says. We believe that this is God's inspired word. And so we live according to the Bible, believing this is how we should live. This is the right way to live. This generation, however, they decided they were going to take matters into their own hands. God created men and women out of love. I love this. I love mankind. I want to walk with them in the garden. Can you imagine walking with God in the garden? That's what Adam and Eve were doing. Just fellowshipping with God, hanging out with God. And they blew that opportunity. And then it just escalated to this point of God saying, I, I can't even stand my own creation anymore because they live so wickedly. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great. Bring up verse number five out of chapter six for me, please. Uh, he saw, God sees the wickedness of man, that it was great in the earth. Every intent of their thoughts, every intent of their hearts was only evil all the time. Continually, the Bible says. It wasn't a matter of they blew it on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then said, oh, God, you've got to forgive me, and God, you've got to help me. They blew it, and they didn't mind that they blew it, and then they continued to live a, a, a path that was, that was against God's way. And that became their lifestyle. Church, this country was founded on the word of God, one nation under God. That's how we were founded. And somewhere along the line, people started falling, people started faltering, people started messing up, and they didn't care anymore, and they didn't ask God to forgive them anymore, and they carved out a new path, and they called it right, but it's not right. It's wrong. It is contrary to the Word of God and the beliefs of the, the Bible. Living however they want to. 
wicked in their thoughts, corrupt in their morality, violent in their dealings with one another. That sounds a lot like our society today. And don't forget what else the Bible says. As it was in the days of... Oh, you know your, your Bible well. The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it, well, it, so it shall be when the Son of Man comes again. The rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ. The society and the world that we live in will be much like that of the days of Noah. And I don't think we could get any closer to resembling the days of Noah and the generation of Noah than we're in right now. That's my opinion. And I base that on our, our everyday news that we see. And the society that we live in, the world that we live in. It is much like the days of Noah. Wicked, corrupt, violent. God saw the wickedness. And when God sees wickedness, God follows that with judgment. God saw the wickedness and he was going to judge it. Look at verse number 7 of our text. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast even, creeping things, the birds of the air. I'm sorry that I made all of them. Do you know how far-reaching a person's sinful life is? Rarely does someone's sinful life only affect them. Almost always, someone's sinful life will affect other people. My goodness, here it even affected the birds of the air. They didn't do anything wrong and they got killed. The beasts of the air, creeping, every creeping thing. Look how far-reaching sin is. You think it's Husband, do you think it's only going to affect you that you're secretly in sin? Do you not think that that's going to affect your marriage and affect your home and affect your finances and affect every other thing that you're involved in? Wicked living rarely affects only one person. It affects many, many others, and it is far-reaching. So destruction was declared against the wicked it was in Noah's day, it is in our day. You cannot live to your flesh and not reap destruction. Because the Bible is very clear, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 But thanks be to God, there was someone. There was someone who'd made up his mind that he was going to live a holy life and a righteous life. Our text tells us in verse number 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You see, not only does God see the wickedness of mankind, I've come this morning to tell somebody God also sees when someone's doing right. God notices when you stand against the crowd. God notices when you swim against the stream. God notices when you take a stand for him and for his principles, the principles in his word. God saw the wickedness, but God saw the righteousness. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace was offered to a man that was facing the same judgment as everyone else. 
Grace is still offered to sinful men and women today. That unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God. And don't ever mistake grace as a pass to live however you want. I don't believe that's what grace is at all. There are a whole sect of people, Christians even, let me do the air quotes here, that think, well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and I'm going to ask God to forgive me anyhow so I can go ahead and live the way I want to live and do the thing I want to do on Friday night or Saturday night. I can still go clubbing and I'll just ask God to forgive me once I get to church on Sunday. That's not what grace is all about. Do we continue in our sin and in our wickedness so that God would forgive us? God forbid, the apostle Paul said, I believe that grace is the ability given by God to overcome the temptation and to stand against the wickedness. I love the hymn, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. The very end of this, this hymn, it says, Oh, for grace to trust him more I believe God will give us the grace that will help us to stand for what is right and to stand against what is wrong that is true grace if you're taking notes jot this down number two what is this invitation all about this is an invitation to a step of faith it's an invitation from God to Noah to take a step of faith. He said in verse number one of chapter seven, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. I'm so glad for the eye of God that sees both the wrong and the right. Amen? But this invitation to Noah demanded a step of faith. It wasn't even going to start raining for seven days. And God says, get in the boat now. Well, Noah could have been saying, now, doesn't it make more sense that once it starts raining, at least once we see the clouds roll in, maybe then we'll get into the ark? God said, I want you in the ark now. Seven days before I'm even going to send rain. And he had to just say, okay, God, you're God, I'm not God. But you see, Noah already understood what it was to take a step of faith because before God called him into the ark, God called him to make the ark. God gave Noah a, a vision, a dream. God unfolded a precise and perfect plan on how to construct a boat. That's what the ark is. It's a big boat. I mean, it's housing giraffes and elephants and rhinoceroses and, oh my, you know, <laughs> lions and tigers and bears, right? <laughs> and everything else. How'd you like to be on the cleanup crew in the ark? Somebody had to clean that up, didn't he? Thank God for sons, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> See, Noah 
already understood what it was to take a step of faith because God gave him this vision to build a boat, an ark, a, a huge monstrosity, and it wasn't raining, and there was no water. He's not on the, he's not on the, on the shore here. It's out just somewhere in the, in the land. So imagine with me him taking this step of faith. God instructing him build an ark, and he did it by faith. Despite the ridicule of the people, they're coming by. You've lost your mind. That old man has lost his mind. Remember, he's 600 years old. He's lost his mind. Despite the fact that it wasn't raining, he keeps on sawing. He keeps on hammering. He, he says, God, I know what you said, and I'm going to keep on doing what you called me to do. Despite the fact that he was already an old man, despite the fact that God's plan may not have made sense to Noah. It doesn't record any negotiation from Noah and God, but I know there would be on my part to God. I negotiate with God all the time. I try to. I try to talk God out of things. I'll just be honest with you. I thought, I, I didn't know what, I still to this day don't know why God has, has called me to take another step of faith. I'm going to be 49 years old, Pete, and now I'm back in school. I mean, Creighton over here, he's, he's studying for his master. He's 22. That makes more sense. Have you all met Creighton? Creighton's from Wichita, from a great church in Wichita, and now he's studying at Biola, and he's come into our family, and, and I just I love what God is doing in this young man right here. Really awesome. So I'm at Biola Library on Friday studying with a 22-year-old. That doesn't make any sense to me. And for five years, I tried to talk God out of it. I tried to negotiate with God. God, I could just stay in this pulpit. I could keep doing what I'm doing. But yet, I feel the Holy Spirit and God prompting me and, and gently because he would let me decide ultimately. Did you know that? I have no strings attached to my arms or to my legs. I am not a puppet on God's string, and neither are you. God says, I want you to do this, but I'll let you decide if you're going to do it or not. And finally, a buddy of mine was talking about this, this school in England. Now, it, it, it continues to get more bizarre. God's plan for my life. Couldn't I go to Biola? Couldn't I go to Vanguard? Couldn't I do something? England of all things. And so September, Jim and I, Jim and I, <laughs> we packed our bags and we went to Mattersea Hall in, in England. And you know something? I'll be honest with you. I still don't know why necessarily. He's just telling me, get in the boat now. I'm not, it's not going to rain for seven more days, but I want you in the boat now. And I want you trusting me right here. And when it's time for God to unfold to me why, then he'll do that. But for now, God's saying, I want you to take a step of faith. You see, God invited Noah to take a step of faith two different times. Noah, Noah responded. He RSVP'd to the invitation. God's called me to take a step of faith recently. God's calling you today to take a step of faith. Noah 
by faith. Hebrews 11.7 says, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. <laughs> he moved with godly fear and he prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So Noah was saved by grace. Remember, Noah found grace. He was saved by grace through faith. Oh, that reminds me of another really great scripture, and I believe I'll share it with you. Our salvation is also by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace have you been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that nobody can boast. Number three, Pastor Moses, come and help me. This invitation was about salvation and the saving of an entire family. An invitation to save a family. You see, as you look closely at verse number one of chapter seven, he invited Noah in. The Lord said to Noah, Noah, I want you in the ark. You come in. I've seen your righteousness. I've seen the way you've lived. That made sense. But look what else God said. Can you leave that up? Come into the ark, you and all your household. Now this is interesting. We don't see anywhere the righteousness of Noah's wife recorded, do we? It just says you, Noah. What about Noah's sons? Doesn't, doesn't mention their righteousness, does it? Noah's daughter-in-laws, they're invited into the ark. They're saved. I mentioned a moment ago how far-reaching a person's wickedness is and how many lives and the ripple effect of that so it is for a person that makes up their mind to live right. I believe that as we live right, we offer a, a, an umbrella of protection and, and shade, if you will, spiritual shade to all those who come in contact with us. I believe people will just be blessed because they encounter us. I really do. I believe everywhere that you go and every person that you touch should be impacted and affected in some way. Infected, maybe even. They'll be like, what was that? That's just God in me. You'll pardon me. You'll excuse me. That's just God in me. I didn't mean for that to rub off on you. <laughs> We should say I meant for it too. But I believe every person we come in contact with as righteous people living a right life, they'll be affected too. Noah's wife isn't mentioned. Noah's sons aren't mentioned. Noah's daughter-in-laws aren't mentioned so far as their, their right living. But they certainly are welcomed because of Noah's righteous living into the ark. Think about it. Pretty powerful if you ask me. But see, God wants our household saved. God loves saving entire families. In Acts chapter 16, remember Paul and Silas? 
Paul and Silas are locked up in jail, and they decide they're going to sing, and they're going to praise, and they're going, they get the hymnal out, and they start singing. They start praising and worshiping, and all at once, God unlocks the, uh, unlocks the prison doors, and there's an earthquake, and, and everybody has the potential to be free. And in fact, the jailer says, I might as well kill myself because they've all escaped on my watch. And Paul hollers out, don't do any harm to yourself. We're all here. Look at this, Acts 16, 30. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So Paul and Silas said to the jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your whole household will be saved. God loves saving our whole household. And I love what Joshua said. In chapter 24 and verse number 15, Joshua made a declaration. He, he stood for what is right and he said, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I believe one of the most important tasks that we have been given while we're walking on this earth is to lead our families to Christ. The most important job, I believe, one of the most difficult tasks is one and the same. The most important and perhaps the most difficult. We do what we can do. And we trust God to do what we can't do. <laughs> so the invitation that came to, to Noah it comes to us today. An invitation for survival. Survival from disaster, from the flood, from the storm. An invitation to step out in faith. An invitation for salvation for your whole family. I want you to bow your heads all over this room today. Perhaps you're here and you've never made a commitment to follow Christ. Jesus invites you to himself today. Would you accept this invitation? Surrender your life to Christ. Give God a chance. I mean, let's face it, you've, you've tried other things. You've, you've given other, other possibilities a chance, other options. Give God a chance. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Steve, I want, to, I want to accept Christ as my Savior, would you pray for me? If that's you, just slip your hand up right now. I want to pray for you before we move forward. Is there anyone here you're ready to, for a life change? You're ready for God to be involved now. Ask Jesus to come in. Ask him to forgive you. Thank you. I see that. And most importantly, God sees that. Amen. I see that. Thank you. I'm going to ask if you've lifted your hand or perhaps you know you need to. I'm going to ask you to take a very courageous step. In a moment, Pastor Moses is going to lead us in this chorus. And at that time, I want everyone to stand. And as they stand, if you've lifted your hand, I want you to slip out and come and meet me right here. 
Are you ready? Call upon the name Everyone standing. of the Lord. If you've lifted your hand and you want to accept Christ, Have now is your chance to come. Slip out from where you are. His name. Come and let me pray for you today. You'll never be the same. Jesus is the name we adore. Amen. Let's all. Let me pray with her. Floyd, come on over here. We got people giving their lives to Christ. Call upon the name of the Lord. Just have faith. Have faith in His name. Jesus is. Jesus is the name we adore. Is there anyone else you want to surrender your life to Christ? Today is that day. Just call anyone else. Call upon the name of the Lord. My prayer is twofold today. It's for salvation for anyone that needs to give their hearts to Christ. But I also want to pray for anybody here today that has family members that are not serving the Lord. That's you. I want to see your hand if you have family members that you want to pray for today. Sons or daughters, maybe it's your parents, a sibling, somebody. Come on, I want to pray for you today. There's an anointing for salvation for these family members. I, I, I really believe that. Keep that hand lifted, and I want you to call out their name right now. Come on, there you go, there you go. Come on, call, call on, on the Lord and lift up their name to Him right now. Come on, present their name to God right now. Sons and daughters, siblings, parents, nieces and nephews, aunts and uncles and grandparents, come on, pray for them right now. God, we pray, Lord, that their eyes would be open. Spiritually, God, let them see. Open up their ears today that they would hear. Open up their hearts, God, that they would feel you, Lord. Let them sense your presence and your power. And may they know your love today, God. We pray for a wave of salvation, Lord, to wash over our families, wherever they might be right now. We pray that they would, that they would know your presence, Lord. We pray, Lord, of the harvest, that you would send forth workers, send forth laborers into the harvest field. Send spirit-filled believers, God, to work next to them, to live next to them, God. Hallelujah. May they encounter throughout their day and throughout their week spirit-filled believers that are going to point them to the cross. We claim our families in Jesus' name. And we plead the blood of Jesus over them. And we tell you, devil, today that you cannot have our sons and our daughters. You cannot have our parents and our grandparents. You cannot have our brothers and our sisters. They are bought with a price. We believe that they are going to come to a saving knowledge. And we believe that they are going to surrender. You're going to have to move on and go and try to find somebody else. Because the blood of Jesus. Somebody say the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is against the enemy. Hallelujah. I love that three people at least have surrendered their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ today. 
Thank you, Lord. And folks, tonight we're going to celebrate the symbolic nature of surrendering your life to Christ. The baptism in water. It is symbolic of a, of a life that has died and now lives for Christ. There is no salvation. Listen to me today. There is no salvation in baptism. You will not be saved because you are baptized in water. We simply here at La Palma Christian Center baptized in water because we believe it's scriptural for one thing. It is a, a witness to the world and to our families. Jesus was baptized in water. Disciples were baptized in water. And we believe that we are to follow suit. And so we are baptized in water. But there is no cleansing that comes. It is symbolic in nature. Now, I have seen a lot of powerful things happen. People go under the water and come up speaking in tongues sometimes. People come, go under the water and come up healed sometimes. I'm just telling you because faith is activated. But you're not saved when you're baptized. You're saved when you confess the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Is everybody clear here today? I don't want anybody to be confused. If you've never been baptized... We'd love to baptize you, even if you've just now given your heart to the Lord. Jim and Cindy, talk to John. If he'd like to be baptized, you guys talk that out and whatever. If you've never been baptized, I would get baptized as soon as you possibly can, and I would love to be a part of that. We're going to do that on tonight, and I'm also going to do part two of our invitation series, so I want you to come and be a part of that as well. Amen. Pastor Jim, why don't you come and close us in prayer today, and God bless everybody. It's so good to see you in God's house. Amen. you have had your presence in this room and that faith has been stirred and that lives are being changed. We ask, Lord, that you would go with us tonight or today and bring us back tonight, Lord Jesus, in your mercy and your grace, in your precious holy name.